Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another of the 50 most relevant podcast episodes as we count down who I believe the 50 most relevant players across all of your salary cap formats of the game. Don't worry if you love to play the draft formats. We've got you covered in that as well. Number 30 today, Jackson Haitley, the former first round pick and now also a preseason draft selection. That's how he got to the Adelaide Crows. To talk about him, I've got Kane back. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Very well, MJ. A very interesting player that I think will have people on both sides of the fence pretty confident in how they feel about him. I can see a lot of people being super, super bullish. Yeah. And a lot of other people thinking, how are you going to fit a mid-pricer into a midfield line that has so many players priced above him, same as him and below him, all way more relevant. So I think he's going to be a polarizing guy. And I think he's one of the guys in the preseason that matters the most. If he has a big preseason, his ownership's going to go absolutely through the roof. Yeah, and I think even just going through this episode today over the next 15, 20 minutes or so, my encouragement for you as a listener would be try to steer well clear of confirmation bias because there's going to be elements. You either hear stats, facts, and figures. You go, that's why I'm picking him or that's why I'm passing on him. Everything in the preseason, that anytime you've got that sort of bias and you're not open to conversation, that's where you shut yourself off from either making some changes that could help your fantasy footy side in 2021. Uh, just the 20 years old, this midfielder had a, an interesting run at his time at the GWS Giants. Only a real handful or so of games across each of his seasons, seven and six in his 2019 and 20. 20 season last year his best score did come against the western bulldogs it was an 80 in dream team and afl fantasy if you want to play the adjusted averages game that's a ton so you'll, you'll sort of take that from him but 108 in super coach in that same game is actually his career high super coach score while in afl fantasy and dream team it was the year prior 84 against the Fremantle Footy Club is his career score. 57.8 is what he's priced at for us in Dream Team. In AFL Fantasy, you want to play the adjusted average game, multiplying that by 1.25. That's a 72.25, while in Supercoach, just the 64. He is in that price point where he's one of the popular stepping stones. He's just over 310,000 in Supercoach, just over 480,000 in AFL Fantasy, and uh, 480 thousand six hundred dollars in dream team and came when we think about jackson Haitley, he was that guy that was one of the first players that actually nominated his preferred club of choice in the preseason trade period or in the trade period but he had to go through the long way to get to his destination of the adelaide crows yeah well it became a situation in the end that adelaide didn't really need to give anything up because to be honest the giants weren't going to do anything with picks in the range they were offering so it became a situation where they weren't going to use the pick if Adelaide had offered them anyway. So um, it was pretty simple for Jackson just to wait a few extra days and, and find his way to the, the Crows where obviously he returns home and has a better chance. Again, I still think there's some great players in this Adelaide midfield that he's competing mm. with for some key minutes, but the pathway looks certainly easier than what he was putting up with for two years at the Giants. 
Well, that was ultimately the reason he left. He wasn't a homesick player by any means. Like we have seen sometimes players leave after a couple of years moving interstate, but rather, as you mentioned, he was just looking for consistent games and opportunities through the midfield, whereas a junior and himself believes he's going to be at his best. He's a real tall, big bodied midfielder, but he's not that clearance hulking type where you think Fife. Crips. Rather, he can play on the inside, but rather where he's at his best is he uses that elite endurance and athleticism to get out and about and around the ground. He's kind of, if I was to contrast him to a modern player, it's almost a hybrid where he's quite close to an Adam Tomlinson, but he's got some David Mundy tendencies. That's who he was contrasted to as a junior. I think he's somewhere in between the two in terms of what his game style and gameplay is kind of like. And last year, as I mentioned, just the seven or six games in 2020, a number of those two who was late in, so didn't really get much of an opportunity. And it was round three against the Western Bulldogs that we actually got to see him probably Kane at the closest we'll see in terms of what fantasy coaches are hoping is a comparable role at Adelaide in that game, 21 possessions, seven marks, a couple of tackles, and he delivered that 80 and dream team in AFL fantasy and a 108 in super coach. It's dangerous to always start looking at preseason numbers too, because they are nowhere near the intensity um, nor the caliber of game in terms of opposition as well. But if you do want to look at what he did in these preseason games last year, it was an 85 and 94 in dream team and fantasy and a 129 and a 92 in super coach. If he can get anywhere near not just those preseason scores, but anywhere near what he delivered in that real one game where he got the midfield time at GWS. This is what has got so many people hot under the collar about the fantasy prospects of Jackson Haley. I think there's a few things to step through there, MJ. Yeah. When we say midfield time, I think most people, when they hear that, they think starting at the centre bounces. Yeah. And from the football I've seen of Jackson Haley, that's not a role that, Again, he hasn't had much opportunity, so maybe sure. he will get that chance as a centre-bounce midfielder. But to be honest, I don't see it. I think midfield minutes mm. is, you know, obviously coming in off the square, probably from the wing position is where I see him the most. Yeah, agree. He's got a 27% contested possession rate so far in his career and going at about half a clearance a game. Again, one school of thought will be, Kane, he hasn't played in the midfield to get those clearances, get that contested ball. Mm. But like you said at the start, to me, he's more Adam Tomlinson than Mundy in your description there. He's mm. a great runner. Again, he's got the frame. If you looked at him physically, 190 centimetres, well Big built. Boy. Yeah. But everything you hear about what his skill set is, it's great running capacity, yeah. albeit not in terms of turn of foot. It's more getting contest to contest. Yeah, contest to contest. He's not a fast and, boy, that's for sure. No, and it, you look at what his scoring comes from, and this is why it is a lot of his possessions are uncontested. He actually builds a lot of his score via marks. Mm. He's a really good mark player for a midfielder that doesn't get that much time on ground. You look at his um, first season, he had four of his seven games with six plus marks. Yeah. And then you look at last year again, he had three of his six games with six plus marks. Like yeah. that's the type of guy. It's actually more of a wing nature of scoring. As a result of that, his kick to handball ratio is quite friendly because he's yeah. taking marks, chipping it around. And again, that's not a negative. That's the way he plays. It's contest to contest. He helps people chain the ball up the ground. What I mean, though, is I think the big jump people are expecting is that he's lining up alongside Matt Crouch, Rory Sloan, and it's Jackson Haley at the center bounces. It's just not going to be. And we see this tackle count go through the roof. 
I still think Rory Laird gets big midfield minutes in there. I agree. Again, Ben Keyes was a top five player in the best and fairest coming over from a new club. Yeah. Very damaging in there. Um, as I said, if you're looking at Crouch and Sloan, which I can't see if fit being out of that midfield. Yeah. MJ, that's very same, same. Yeah. If you've got Jackson Haitley alongside Crouch and Sloan. Yeah. Again, you saw how dynamic Laird was when he was in there. And he mm. was a clearance machine because he's so nippy and he's so um, aggressive at hunting the football and winning it back off the opposition. So when I think of midfield minutes for Jackson Haitley, I want to see time on ground go through the roof. No surprise at his best game last year. He had 21 touches, you mentioned, against the Bulldogs in round three. He played 86% time on ground. Yeah. He didn't get above 80% in any of his other games. So clearly a guy that can be on the ground, great tank. Again, I, I hope if I'm you know, the Crows, that Jackson Hatley can lock down that wing role. Yeah. And if everything goes well, he becomes Sam Menegola for the Crows. That is, I think, your best case scenario. If you've watched Menegola, you know, solid. He's a good contested player by his build and he's competitive mm. in that regard. But what's his best skill? He helps out the defense. Yeah. Runs super hard and can also hurt his opposition going forward by his work rate. Like that is what I think is Jackson Haitley's best case scenario. Now, what gets really interesting, MJ, is he's a very friendly price. He's high 50s and he's low 60s across the formats. The trickiest part about a player at this price range and that average is what is your expectation that he will score and what is enough? Like for me, I think 20 points has to be the minimum. So he has to be be touching the 80s. And I think that's, that's okay because if he's doing 20 points, he's probably going to at least make 100K for you at that price range. Yeah. And 100K with some of the rookies we don't get or we will get, some of them are in and out, 100K Mm. isn't a given for a lot of players. So if Jackson can deliver that and maybe there's a score in there that takes his price increase to 150K, at least you've got some points, you've got some cash, and you're on your way to building your site. But but what do you think is a fair expectation for Jackson in 2021? I think we've seen enough from him in Supercoach with limited game time, both through the midfield, but we've seen that he he can score through there. Both he can win the ball on the inside, but certainly it's the outside work can take a contested grab, as you mentioned. So I I feel really comfortable that an 80 is probably the basement of what he's going to do. I don't see that 100 from him in Supercoach either. I don't, I don't think that's within his capabilities just yet. I'd happily be proven wrong, but I just don't see that as his ability over the first 12 to 14 weeks. I, I think in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, anything over 85 to 90, is, it probably does get to that stretch. Adelaide, while they have shown in that last month or so of football, a pretty fantasy-friendly game style, that kind of swarming wave that we saw GWS deliver in the 2019 grand final season, Knicks was very much a fundamental part of that, has brought elements of that to the Crows. So I do see him playing a pretty fantasy-friendly role through there. But again, it's really hard for predominant outside players to build up a really high, consistent, big one, 105, 110 type of scoring. It, it really is the hunters and the gaffs. Even Managola, who you mentioned, even in an adjusted season, wasn't quite at that peak territory as well. And, and so for me, I, I think if we can get an 80 out of him, he's got a perfect buy round for us, round 14, meaning he gives us that opportunity to run him right through to that multi-buy round if we wish, and then flick him to that guy that's at that right basement price after the buy. The other thing he does do for us because of that pricing is two things. One, he doesn't 
have to pop. And, and by that, I mean, if he doesn't go that 85 plus over those first week or two, you've got options, both dropping him down to the cash cow you missed, pocket yourself 150, 200K, or he's not in an isolated price bubble in all of the formats is he came we've got these guys across the formats the cunningtons and the heppels just to name a few that if you choose to pick Haley over those guys and he's the one that doesn't pop it's just one trade and all of a sudden you're on the guy that does the jai simpkin type move of 2020 yeah and the thing as well mj is not only do you have in the midfield line especially in the forward line with the amount of premiums that you're probably going to have at least two of them and they're mm. probably going to be forward mids so now yeah. if you like a forward, it's so easy to swing a danger field, a Dunkley, a side bottom totally. into the midfield and grab, you know, a Buddy Franklin, a Joe Danaher, anyone, Zeeble, any of these guys. You've, you've got actually got at least two lines. And again, if you start Rory Laird, you've actually got a third line in yeah, there as well. True. So all of a sudden you can get super, super flexible in that way where mm. you can almost have your pick of any mid-pricer yeah. that pops. It's true. I think the other thing, MJ, that people will be looking at, and it's part of the reason is the new club. Yeah, and I think these are the type of guys that if you if you got this out of Haitley, you'd be extremely happy. Albeit these guys are different type of players, and it's Jack Steele and Dom Tyson. Both left yeah. the Giants after their second year. Jack Steele was a seventy-two DT, sixty-four Super Coach guy. Goes to the Saints, key role every week in the side. Ninety-three DT, ninety-one Super Coach. Yeah, well. If you got that jump, you're laughing again. Dom Tyson has been the butt of jokes for the last few years, can't get his body healthy at North Melbourne. But when he came across to Melbourne, last year at Giants, 51 DT, 45 Supercoach. Goes to the Demons, 90 DT, 94 Supercoach. And at that point in time, people thought Melbourne had won that trade, getting Tyson and And Salem Salem. and skipping on a Josh Kelly because that's how well Dom was playing and he slotted straight in and there was a role there. Again, the hard part I'm seeing for Jackson to scale that height is... yeah those guys were more on the inside. Like yeah, you look true. at what Jack Steele did that year. He took his disposals from 15 to 22. Like that's a big, big jump. He big took jump. his tackles from 4.1 to 7.9. Yeah, wow. And again, you go to Dom Tyson on his end, 13 disposals his last year at the Giants, up to 23.7 at Melbourne. Yeah. And again, they had a bit more of an even um, ability to win the ball. Obviously, Jack Steele's a bit more contested than Dom Tyson. But Dom Tyson was still up around the 35, 40% contested Mm. mark. Whereas Jackson Haightley, again, I know he's only played on the outside. He hasn't seen those inside minutes, but he is more uncontested. He's in the, you know, the high twenties. So in the preseason, if I see Jackson Haightley play two games, obviously on the inside and the numbers reflect that, whether it's clearances, whether it's contested possession starts becoming, you know, ideally 35% plus maybe even 40%. Yeah. Now I'm starting to believe that there's enough in his game to build a consistent score. And that's yeah. when you can become a really popular player. On the flip side, MJ, I can see this guy just being a 75 guy, a yeah. 70 guy, because really it's still a good Crows team. And what yeah. I mean by that is, again, I mentioned Sloan, I mentioned Crouch, I mentioned Laird, who I think are all midfield players. Agree. You've got Wayne Miller in defense with Brody Smith, you know, on the wing. Yeah. Lockie Scholl showed that he can score when he was playing in that role. And you've got Tom Lynch, who's always in around the mix for the forward. So there's not this massive need um, that I can just see this vacancy, like what a Dom Tyson and a Jack Steele walked into. into. Again, I think 
Jackson is in the best 22, I do think he gets mm-hmm. that opportunity, but I don't think it's, this is his key role. And as I said, I, th- I see him as a wingman. Yeah. And, I, and I know how hard it is to be a consistent scorer on the wing, especially in your third season. Um, so he's the type of guy for me, MJ, that if he has a great preseason mm. and everyone's jumping on, he's the type of guy that I might just fade and think I can go somewhere else and hope that if he doesn't, if he goes at 70, 75 for the first six, seven weeks, that's a trade of people having to um, realign their teams. And this is more so in D teams, Supercoach. I think in AF, there's so much meat on the bone that yeah. you want to have a look at him at the very least, especially if he has a good preseason. Yeah. But in DT and Supercoach, that 300 price, that 300 k price range, especially in the midfield, has been notoriously poor for us. Even when we've had the likes of Jager and Mira in there, like there's some guy. It's just a really hard price range to work out what's enough. You know, is do I hold this guy hoping he has a big score so I get yeah. enough cash? Like it just puts you in a really awkward position and, and for that reason it's a typically a price range i avoid yeah. i'd rather go down or go up and restructure my side elsewhere to avoid that midfield because let's be honest he's not going to be a keeper in a sense that he's getting anywhere near the top eight mids it's oh, just no, not no, going to no, happen he's a stepping stone so as a result now you've got to have two trades put aside to get him to a primo you've got to have one down yeah and you've got to have one up so do you want to start your season knowing that's going to be the case? I think like we mentioned with a few other players early in the preseason in this price bracket, cash cows is going to determine how valuable a Jackson Haley is. Correct. If there's no cash cows, we're going to need a guy like this to be a stepping stone. Yeah. If we have heaps of options, again, he's a type of guy I'm going to take on because I just don't see the ceiling where he's going to really hurt me in a two or three week burst if I don't start him. I don't see he's going to start the season with, you know, 105, 110 average because he's had, you know, 130 in his first three games. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where I'm sort of sitting on the fence. Yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty fair. You know, if if there's a format to pick him, I think Supercoach probably based on what he showed he can do and at that price point of 310,000, it's around about 100K more than Will Phillips, who's a lot of people's popular cash cow through the midfield. It do I think that Haitley's got the potential to outscore him by, you know, 20 points a game? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to be able to do that over that first sort of eight to 10 weeks of the year. So definitely for me right now, I've got Haitley in my super coach and my AFL fantasy side. In Dream Team, look, he's 100K more than a Dyson Heppel. And if they're both fit and firing heading into round one, based on what Heppel's been able to do for us, again, I know he's got some injury concerns in the preseason already. I know where I'd probably choose to prefer to invest my cash um, through there. So look, he's got a nice buy around. He is locked inside that Crow's best 22. If he can get off to a flyer, he'll make you some cash really, really early. But I think you're right. The amount of cash cows we get heading into round one and the type of scoring he plays and delivers through the preseason, they're going to be the two key things that determine what his ownership percentage is like heading into round one. What fascinates me though is where does he go in drafts? Because guys like this notoriously get that extra pop in drafts from the salary cap community where there's that hype. And so he's probably not the guy that I'd feel comfortable drafting on the field for me. But if there's enough preseason hype about him, there could be some coaches and some leagues that really reach for him. I don't want him as an on-field starter. I, ideally, I, I don't see that as where I want to draft him. But I can see some leagues jumping for him in the early teens 
and picking him as an M6 or an M7, which just feels too early for me. Where do you think he's going to go in drafts and where would you be happy picking him, Kane? I think they're two very different things, MJ. I think there's he's the exact type of guy that's a hype guy. Yeah. And if we just stick on single season, because I do want to talk about keepers, because yeah, I yeah, think definitely. that's he's one of the players in the 50 that does warrant that discussion. I think you're spot on. I think if he has a good preseason, someone's going to get that expectation that he is 95. Yeah. Which is crazy enough. You sort of have to get to that range if you're playing seven mids. Like you have to be challenging the 90s to even Definitely. be relevant on the field. Again, for me personally, I don't think I could ever be the one to pick him because I sort of see the ceiling at 85. So yeah. really, like it's so far down the pecking order in what I'm going to try to do in my midfield line. Like I like to have a couple guys in reserve in the midfield that are proven 90 yeah. plus as my eighth and ninth because as we spoke about on previous podcasts i'd rather get all the forwards late and just cycle them through and we know every year there's forwards and backs that come off the wave wire that no one expected totally. to be in the top 50 forwards or backs that pop whereas yeah. we always say that midfielders it's just not like that if you need to go to the wave wire for a midfielder yeah. you're lucky to get 75 80 yeah. so um again it only takes one person to, to really like Haitley. Yeah. And I think with his junior numbers, with his new club, and again, if we get some preseason games, especially depending how close you do your draft to one of his performances, if Absolutely. he pops a 110 in the preseason, yeah, we'll get out of control and it'll be way over the top. So again, I've got the bar at 85. So I'd just be putting him in a single season with guys in that similar nature, which yeah. so is bench again, right. Yeah it's, 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 yeah, it's probably a second bench mid, really. Yep. Um, in keepers, Again, the stock price is going to go up and down wildly on this preseason. If you're yeah. an owner and he has a massive preseason game and you think you're in contention this year, yeah, I think you can very easily turn him into a 95 mid that has three to four seasons left in yeah. the league. I think you can do that pretty comfortably. Like there's a few guys in that, you know, 29, 30 range yeah. where you can sort of, you know, get your hands on a player that I think you're going to get at least 10 points of upside a week on because there's, there's always love in keepers MJ for young players, especially when they enter their third year. Yeah. Um, so I think it's actually a better time to be selling Jackson Haitley than buying, because I think if you're buying the person selling him has a, he's going to be probably 85 plus this year. Yep. And then he's going to be 95 plus for probably the next six to seven to eight years. They're thinking. Yeah. And look, maybe it's somewhere where you, you get aggressive because I agree. I think now's the time to sell Jackson Haitley again, trading any young player that does have some fantasy tendencies, which he does always littered with, you know, a bit of hindsight where you just feel like an absolute goose step, but I'd actually be targeting someone like a Stephen Cornelio. Now you might not get in a straight one for one sort of trade, but he's the kind of guy I'd go for, which is had a disappointing couple of years. Injuries have impacted his perception in the fantasy footy community, but we know that he's that 100 guy when fit really safely. And so that's the kind of guy I'd be trying to go after that isn't quite that 30 year old sort of guy is mid to late twenties that I can tell a story to a coach and go, look, they might end up being not too distant, you know, if Cogs gets a couple of injuries throughout the year, but that's the sort of guy I'd kind of be going after a little bit. You're not going to get, you know, much else than that. You know, maybe it's I think a Luke Parker is a type of guy as well, yeah, MJ, Parker. at that age that you're probably thinking, you know, Luke's going to be in, turning 29 this year. Yeah. So what are you hoping for a guy that's played a lot of 
a lot of footy and the inside mid role. Maybe yeah. you're thinking that, um, you know, in two years' time, they're probably going to overlap and Haitley's probably going to be a better scorer than Parker. So if you're in the mix, and again, he's also the type of guy that if you're really going to push this year, yeah. now all of a sudden you can start looking at the Travis Bokes, yeah. the Scott Pendlebury's, the Tom Rockliffe's. Like yeah. if you really want to go all in, like there are some guys you can get you there, that are, you can get some guys that are right now, right here, right now, you know, Josh Kennedy. He's a guy that would get, you could get Kennedy and Rockliffe, I'd say, in most leagues for Haitley. Yeah, if you're really pushing and they're at a point where they want to rebuild, like, you know, Josh Kennedy's not going to do anything for those guys if they're two no. years away. Whereas right now, you need a guy like Josh Kennedy and he's your eighth, ninth mid in a keeper league. Like, yes. that's where I think you want to be the coach that's contending yeah. with Haitley. Yes. And then you're going to try to find a dance partner to move him onto because, again, I still think you're two years away. Or sorry, I should say the 2022 season is probably where I see him being a consistent um, starting seven mid in most leagues. Yep. Again, if you're in the mix, though, you know, MJ, that, that that bar actually has to be even up towards the high 90s, 100. If you want to okay. be the, the premier in your league, like your midfield does run that deep typically so Goron's strong and deep absolutely yeah he's a, he's a fascinating player to see where he goes in drafts uh single and keeper league so uh, mate appreciate your thoughts today on jackson Haitley. no problem if you want to go and read the article on jackson or look any of the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant it's up online for you now coachespanel.tv a new article every single day landing with these podcast episodes if you love these podcasts and you want to get early access well you can do that by joining our patreon supporter group if you can't that's okay why don't you jump on itunes uh, make sure you're subscribing following uh, give it a nice five star rating along the way because tomorrow we hit the numbers even deeper of the 50 most relevant we're getting real close now my friend to entering into the halfway marker the 30s they are now done and dusted tomorrow we hit the number 29 here's a clue and i haven't done a clue for a while on these episodes like one that makes me not look like a jerk so here's one for you the player coming tomorrow is based at jackson's former club which giants are we talking about? Tell you tomorrow.